Hi friends, join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Hi guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today is season five, episode 13, Blood Ties. And Tabby, it's just you and I today. This is weird. We've never had I this. Know. <laughs> I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened up until this point. Like, yeah. With our schedules and everything, what usually happens for everyone who's listening, if, I mean, this happens all the time. If one of us can't record, we'll usually just kind of like either record back to back, like the, like yeah. two nights in a row or just like we'll make it work just because it's like very much priority for all three of us to be here just because like we want Leah here we want Sarah here we want everyone here so um but Leah is getting married so soon like so, two weeks three weeks something yeah, like she that she needs to have her days off so yeah that's why Leah isn't here this episode which is kind of sad because I'm like blood ties is a really good episode I really like this episode. I feel like this is an underrated gem when it comes to season five. I I forget that a lot of the different things that happen in this episode all happen in the same episode, if that makes sense. Like yeah, there was a I think lot of, that happened. Yeah. When I think of um, Dawn finding out, I think of her like going into the magic shop and then her cutting herself. I don't know why I didn't think that um, her going to the hospital and the whole finding out Ben and Glory thing happened in the same episode. I was like, dang, we really went through a lot. Yeah. Finding out that Ben is Glory and Glory is Ben is a huge thing. Everybody finds out that Dawn is the key. Dawn finds out that she's the key. There's just a lot of big revelations that happen in this episode, especially after like checkpoint and stuff. Like there's just been some really big stuff. But I think it was clever of them to have this happen after finding out that glory is a god because it kind of and that's what i was thinking about like the tension in this season just keeps getting ramped up mm -hmm. and i really love how they really haven't had glory in the episode or in the season a whole lot but they're doing a really good job of showing her in small doses and keeping it realistic but also still ratcheting up the tension it just makes it really enjoyable which I feel like that would be – for if I was to ever write a show or write a book or whatever, it would be so hard when you have such an overpowered villain to be like, okay, realistically, they could just come in and squash Buffy and then season over. How do you realistically keep them from doing that? And having her be insane but also trapped in the body of Ben is a really, really clever way to hamper her. So written by Stephen DeKnight. Um, this is the first writing credit for DeKnight. Um, he will go on to co-executive produce Angel um, and then continue to also write for Buffy. He's been writing for Buffy. Like the way that the show does it, even though there's a writer credit, it's not just contributed to by that writer. It is added to by everybody else. So all the writers will sit down and they'll discuss kind of elements of a script, even though you'll have one main writer. So he's been kind of contributing to everything that's happened in season five so far. But he's extra special, not just because he's going to go on to co-executive produce Angel, but he also goes on to produce Smallville, write for Smallville, 
Dollhouse with Eliza Dushku, um, writing, producing for Dollhouse. Um, and he ends up becoming a showrunner for a little show called Daredevil, which if you haven't seen Daredevil, it is fantastic. Just a great, great series. He loves his supernatural shows. Yes, he really does. He's a very – he goes – I think he went to write a couple of comic book editions as well. So he's very much a comic book guy. But yeah, he's great. And he's going to be in the show for all of season five and season six. I don't know if he'll be here for season seven, but we're going to get a lot more of him, thankfully. Um, and then this episode was directed by Michael Gershman, which we've talked about him before. Um, he directed Passion, Consequences, A New Man, This Year's Girl, and now this episode. He's just directed some of the more visually beautiful and compelling episodes. Like his use of shadow is unparalleled. And I don't know if you noticed it in this episode, but he has such a way because Buffy is shot on film. Well, I don't know if it's shot on film. The first three seasons were shot on film. I don't know if it's shot on film anymore. Um, But his use of shadow to create depth and to tell the story in an episode is just unparalleled. And I I didn't realize that he was the director until after I'd finished watching the episode. And I was like, that makes sense why this episode is so visually compelling in so many scenes. And it just made it so much more fun and enjoyable. And then, oh yeah, and then the episode aired February 6, 2001. So like I said, this episode is well done. It keeps you on the edge of your seat the entire time. It's funny and it's moving while also being suspenseful. The interplay of the whole gang, I just love the way that they used every character, everyone finding out about Dawn. I, you know, it's just, I mean, it was like big thing after big thing, plus the continued upping of the stakes with Glory. Um, and this is an episode 13, and usually. Uh, in episodes 12 and 13 of the season, we have some sort of big twist. We have something massive or major happen. Season two, it was surprise and innocence. Season three, it was um, bad girls and consequences when Faith decides to go with the mayor. And season four is when um, Maggie Walsh gets killed and Riley has his spiral and Adam is released or revealed and stuff. And here it's the reveal that Glory is a god. And now we have Ben and Glory being, um, I guess you could say Ben is kind of linked to the big bad. Now he is the big bad in a way. Um, but then just Dawn finding out about everything and stuff. It just, there's always a big twist that happens. There's always something that happens around Buffy's birthday and you know, this is it. Um, the fashion was also extra amazing and so beautiful. Like everybody's outfits were so good. The details too. It wasn't just like, oh, they had a pretty shirt on or whatever. Like Sarah Michelle Gellar had a cute gold scarf and then they had these amazing earrings. Everybody's hair looked so good. Um, but also like the use of color and we'll talk about that. It's so intentional and beautiful. And then you also have the lighting. I don't know. I just love this episode. I enjoyed it so much and it was – I've seen it before, but I was just as riveted now as I was before in my past rewatches. So, um, and then it continues the theme of duality with Dawn being the key, but also being a human, a teenage girl. And then the theme of family, but through adoption, which is one of my favorite ways mm-hmm. that they've done the family theme for the show. It was really apparent this episode. Yes. I feel like adoption, it's still not as prevalent um, of a theme in media as I think it should be nowadays. But it pretty much was like non-existent back in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, And I just really appreciate how the show is showing all sides of family. It's not just the nuclear mom, dad, 
brother, sister that we all think about. Like this is a show about a single mom raising a supernatural daughter and then has another supernatural daughter brought in. And then we have the episode with Tara with found family. And then, you know, we have the Scoobies with Buffy and Giles, how she's basically kind of adopted Giles as her dad and he's adopted her as his daughter. But now we have like like almost a literal adoption metaphor going on right now. And I think it's just so beautiful. So not only are we talking about adolescence, but we're also talking kind of about like the existential angst of growing up, which I'm loving that the show is kind of getting the chance to revisit a lot of this now that Buffy and the Scoobies are kind of getting older and they're not teenagers anymore. We now have Dawn coming in and but they're using it to inform the characters. And this is this is a show still of coming of age and adolescence. And I love that we're kind of seeing that existential angst of growing up through Dawn. We've talked about, before about how we didn't really get to see Buffy becoming the Slayer. By the time we see Buffy, she's been a Slayer for a year. She is not necessarily comfortable in this role, but she understands what it is. Um, and watching Dawn wrestling with who she is and figuring out that she's the key and that she's mystical and stuff in a way we're kind of getting a glimpse into what Buffy went through. Um, It's different, but it's still there. And I really, really love that. So obviously the title blood ties refers to relationships that exist through birth and through blood. We see the blood ties through Ben and Glory and, you know, have the sibling relationship, them existing in the same body. Um, We have Joyce and Buffy and Dawn, obviously. And then we have that beautiful moment where Buffy tells Dawn that she has Summer's blood, which we'll talk about that because that just made me cry, Mm -hmm. Um, that she may be the key, but she's human now. And obviously... This title is very important because it's talking about blood ties, like, hey, we're related by blood, but it's also referring to choice as well because you can have a blood tie with someone and not be actually related to them, which, again, we'll talk about later. And then this title is hugely important for the end of the series, which we'll talk about in spoilers and stuff. So it's just – it's a great episode. If you guys can't tell, I love it so much. And I'm a sucker for anything that delves into – the angst of Dawn and just this idea of who am I? What is my purpose? All that stuff because it is so prevalent with the show, but it also points back to Buffy and her wrestling with her identity as a slayer in this season. The things that Dawn is wrestling with in this episode, Buffy is also wrestling with those things. She's going, who am I? What darkness is inside of me? Is there darkness inside of me? And how do I reconcile that with who I want to become? Um, And so as we're watching Dawn wrestle with all of this stuff, it's also a metaphor for how Buffy is handling being the Slayer as well. So that is the end of my speech. I just love the themes of this episode. I'm excited to get into them more so other than (laughs) Sarah's introduction. No, it's such a good episode. Like, I, I don't know. And I just – and watching the – Buffy's always been confident, but even more so like after Checkpoint, just this assuredness that's coming through, like this new leadership position. No, that's not – that's wrong to say. She's always been a leader. But this new use of her role, like the way that the Scoobies and Giles listen to her with so much deep respect is so different from the library days where Giles would just lecture at all of them and Buffy would mm-hmm. whine about it and then go off and you know do the right thing. And maybe do something that was different than what Giles wanted to do. But like even Joyce is uncharacteristically quiet in this episode and even just like listening to what Buffy has to say. And I just – I love the switch in power dynamics and in everyone's roles. So we kick off the episode with 
the gang kind of trying to process the information load they got at the end of the last episode. They're like, hey, so glory is a god what does that mean we still don't know anything about like what type of god she is like does she have any powers and i i i forget that we have this conversation because it's like oh my word i never thought about the fact that she could wield lightning you know that she could Mm -hmm. like move the ground or um (laughs) teleport or or whatever it is and i love that they kind of like talk about that and Mm -hmm. you know what the excuse they make makes sense for this world jaws is like hey since she's a human it very much diminishes her power um it and like basically being here is causing a lot of a mental load so they kind of figure out that she's like a brain sucker um and that they don't know what technical demon dimension but they know that her and two other gods kind of ruled this demon dimension anya's like hey like there are thousands of demon dimensions that we don't know about i'm like oh my word could you imagine being in this universe no thank you mm-hmm. like imagine the amount of different types of demons i mean there's like the hybrid demons that they see walking around but like I mean, the mayor was like the only other like real demon demon we'd come across. Mm-hmm. And he ascended once and we're like, could you imagine so many other people coming up? Well, she's not a demon. She's she's just something uber – like way more powerful. And it's funny because the show is giving us bits and pieces about her. But like I don't think it's a spoiler to say they never really go fully into mm-hmm. what exactly it is just because I think – the mystery of it all is a lot more terrifying. And needless to say, she's very strong, very powerful. And it's crazy because she's probably more powerful when she's not in a human body, which is really scary. What surprises me though, I'm like, why is she trying to go back home so bad? (laughs) Why would she want to go to a human, like a human, hello, a hell demon dimension? Like, that doesn't sound fun to me, especially the vibe she gives off. I'm like, girly pop does not sound like she would well, enjoy. She She's from a bougie demon dimension that has, yeah. you know, great Could stuff. Be. I don't know. It Again, it's not – we don't know exactly what it was like. I mean, I or wouldn't want to be – Or even Ben. If he's like her sibling, he's pretty moral from what we can see. I thought it was really interesting. They dress um, Buffy in red in this episode yeah. and – a lot in like very mm-hmm. bright red colors. And they do that a lot this season. Buffy gets dressed in red a lot. And we talked about how red is in film. It's the color of love, passion, excitement, desire. I talked about this in No Place Like Home. And we talked about how it demands more attention than any other color. And that's why Glory wears it. Um, Buffy and Glory are two sides of the same coin. And the show is dressing Buffy accordingly um, to show like Glory is who Buffy thinks that she could become as the Slayer, but also to kind of show that Buffy's also the other side of Red. So where Glory is, you know, blood and danger and anger and fire and war and heat and rage, Buffy has aspects of that as a Slayer, but Buffy's also love and passion, excitement, desire. Buffy's also the positive or the more positive attributes of those things. Um, but at the same time, she's still is the other side of glory. So I just, I like that mirroring of the two characters while also showing that like they are different in some ways. The gang offers to kind of like help find out more information and they start kind of like throwing ideas out there and they're like, hey, we still don't know what the key is that she's looking for. And then Buffy kind of makes it slip that she and Giles know what the key is. And Will and Xander are very upset that they don't know, Um, which understandable, but I feel like if I were them, 
I would kind of assume that it was really high sensitive information. Yeah. I feel like them being really butthurt about it in the way that they seemed in the very beginning was a little bit like much. I wonder I don't know if that's like rude of me to say, but I'm just no, like, y'all I don't know what the information too. is. Yeah. And also like you should trust Buffy and Giles, but also I wonder Willow and Xander haven't gone up against Glory yet. And so I wonder yeah. if they don't really realize how bad the I mean, of this. Yeah. If it were me, just like in my human stupidness, I'd be like, you faced Angelus, you faced the mayor, like we've done these things. Like, what's Glory gonna do? You know, also not realizing how close to home this hits for Buffy too. I wonder mm-hmm. if they're just like, We've done it before and you've told us, like, what's the big deal? But now after they faced her at the end of this episode, I wonder if they'd have the same thoughts, you know? Yeah. So Buffy tells Giles that she's going to tell them and then we jump scenes assuming that she's kind of spilled the beans about Dawn. That was the right call though, honestly, to tell yeah. them. You might it as well tell time. them. She's known for like seven episodes. Yeah. Um. So we jump into the woods. We have the knights chanting about the key being severed and then a few minions show up to attack to which the knights kill all of them except one. Um, and then Glory pops up. Okay, this scene was really interesting. So I think we talked about it last episode when the knights showed up. We we're like, what is the point of these knights? Yeah. Like, why are they here? What's going on? Hearing them chant this, it kind of clicked for me a little bit. So they're like, the link must be severed, such as the will of God, the key is the link, you know, blah, blah, blah. They would chant that over and over. So, okay. Every single season of Buffy has had some sort of religious symbol element thrown in. At the heart of this show, it's a feminist show. And unfortunately, organized religion has played a huge role in the subjugation of women. Feminism has risen out of a lot of organized religion as a contrast to, I should say, um, and as like a counterbalance. Um, And the show often likes to use religious symbols to make statements, um, whether it's like something for Buffy to fight against or often used to heighten Buffy's, I will say, uh, what's the word? Um, Save, not savior complex. What's the word? Oh, the Messiah figure head. Like Buffy is the like the chosen mm-hmm. one is a complete like the Messiah figure head metaphor. Um, I'm, my words are not wording today, but hopefully you guys understand. So the knights are talking about how the key is the link. The link must be severed, such as the will of God. Metaphorically, we know that Dawn is the key, the link, the connection to Buffy's humanity. Not only is she the key to opening this portal, but she's the connection for Buffy to keep her grounded and to make her not turn into glory. She represents Buffy's girlhood. And I know we keep talking about Barbie and all that stuff, but this season really is about girlhood. It's about Mm -hmm. lost childhood innocence and Buffy struggling so hard to hold on to that girlhood, that innocence that is being taken away by the Watcher's Council and by all of the different elements of patriarchy that seek to diminish and subjugate her femininity and her girlhood. And the knights are the patriarchal and religious symbol for this season, saying that Buffy needs to grow up and lose that innocence. The link must be severed. Buffy must be separated from her girlhood. This is the will of God. Then, And again, 
the show doesn't have a God in this world that we know of. Um, and I think Joss intentionally does that. But again, there's still often this patriarchal symbol with God, especially when you have a Christian symbol. Um, and so I think they're trying to make a feminist statement there of these religious knights are coming in and this is what patriarchy has done mm. to girls, if that makes sense. And Glory comes and kills them all. Bam. Yeah, the the, the female the god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, this felt like a Robin Hood scene with the minions like swinging. <laughs> I know. I, like, I will. They look this? like Friar Duck. <laughs> they did. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, also, I think this is the same tree that the gang found the guy killed by the Queller demon. Oh yeah, absolutely it is. And I think uh -huh. we're going to see it later on in another episode. Yeah, we are. I know exactly. What I'm <laughs> it's like the about. one. Hey guys, we need to go to the location with There's the tree. Only you so all many know. sets in the Buffy verse. <laughs> I can tell you exactly which episode is going to be used again. They're like, we really like this tree, guys. It it's hides the lights charming, real well. Though. I'm like, oh. We'll see this place again. And it creates like this small world feel, even though Sunnydale like is apparently huge. I don't it's know. Like, it's the, it's like nostalgic. an inside joke with, you know, everyone in the fandom. Right. Um, <laughs> the tree. Like rating our top five episode locations or episode, um, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Set. Yeah. Locations yeah. would be it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so outside the shop, we have Willow and Tara doing the early warning spell. Um, for the shop and then both for – sorry, both for the shop and the, the Summer's House, which is such a good idea. I'm like, dang, mm -hmm. why haven't we been doing this forever? They've been doing such a good job with utilizing Willow and Tara's spells this season. I've been like, guys, yes, this is what we've needed. Yes. Dawn comes up and immediately offers her help to which Willow turns her down. And then as soon as Dawn walks inside, Tara's like, I can't believe she isn't real. And then Willow's like, oh, she's real, but she's just new. Um, did you see what Dawn's shirt said? No, what did it say? It said, little miss drama. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. Such a youngest sibling thing. Yeah. <laughs> inside the shop, we have freaking Xander. He's so weird this episode with her. This is why Buffy didn't want to tell everybody. Yeah. Like the way Anya and Xander are acting is so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> You're very pretty for a little girl. And You're then like, Xander's what? like, I'm going to take her away now. We're both acting really weird. Xander needs help with his thing. What thing, Anya? Like, <laughs> to be honest, if I were Joyce, I'd be so bugged. I would be having a conversation mm -hmm. with a Buffy and be like, I am not comfortable with the amount of sexually explicit things that Anya and Xander are talking about while Dawn is within, you know, hearing range. And then Donna's like, hey, like, I have to do this project. Buffy, do you want to help? And Buffy's like, oh, maybe later. And then poor Don. I I will say I love how they pen Don as the youngest sibling and how specifically the niche of youngest siblings really just pick up on things. Really, mm -hmm. Like the nuances and people's tones and mm -hmm. their emotions shifting. Like they can tell – when stuff isn't correct or when they're being talked about. Um, and I love that they give Dawn like – I mean, and nothing is really obvious. People are talking about Dawn when she walks into a room. But like Dawn senses energy shifts and can just tell that like she's the topic of discussion. And like she makes Buffy – she makes it known to Buffy that she clocks this several times this episode. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, good for her for kind of being like, I mean, it's a little passive aggressive, but she's like, like, why aren't you telling me info about, 
Glory, the girl that was in her house. And then mm-hmm. Dawn's like, or not Dawn, but Buffy's like kind of brushing past it. And I understand, but I'm like, I really feel for Dawn this episode. Well, and even the way that the show has laid like breadcrumbs leading up to this point, like Giles with his notebook that we saw in Fool for Love when he pulls out all the Watcher's diaries. And then he like, Dawn clocks him like putting it away. Mm-hmm. And, and then Giles and Buffy coming out from somewhere where they're talking about something. And Dawn knows it has something to do with her by the fact that she's heard overheard them talking about her and then she keeps catching them talking about something else and well then Buffy is very acutely aware of where Dawn is when she's talking to anyone <laughs> yeah and yet she's still managing to talk about all this stuff with an earshot I'm like go I somewhere know. else Buffy like honestly this is on you like when Buffy like blames herself later on I'm like no you didn't yeah. know how Dawn was going to react but also you were not exactly like come on trying very hard to not you say it in know. front of her. You like we've literally seen you in Dawn's shoes yeah. earlier the series. Like, come on. Yep. Um, then we jump over to Gloria's room and she has tied up with the knights and is torturing him for information. Taunts so him weirdly about, sexual. Yeah. Taunts him about intimacy to then sucking his brains out, which is just like the Metaphors are just really overt at this point. <laughs> yeah. The well, the script even says that too. It says she presses up close, a dripping sex. Yeah. And then it says Glory's trembling now in need of a brain boost to keep her even. She runs her hands up Orlando's body, total foreplay. Yeah. Could have lived without that. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on, but I, I will spare your poor ears. Thank you. Back at the house, we have Buffy's little like mini birthday party they all give gifts to her um i love the willow and tara i was just thinking like yes getting her a dress that yes. is just like hey we're gonna kind of affirm the girly part of you that is so clearly lacking yeah. in your life right now and i'm like that's such a good best friend gift to give mm-hmm. because you're like hey i could tell that you're really burdened by just life and you know, Dawn and Glory and just the past couple of years of just really huge hardships and especially the stuff with Joyce right now, like getting her a dress seems like so small, but like we've seen Buffy. I mean, we've talked about this for five seasons now. Like Buffy is the slayer, but she's also Buffy, the teenage and now early 20s girl that just loves being a girl. Like mm-hmm. if Buffy had a favorite music genre, it would be pop. Like this girl is a, she loves pink. She loves dressing up. She loves, you know, dresses and heels. And, you know, we see in the first couple of seasons, she's like, I just want to go out and party. I just want to like go to the prom. I want to do all these things because she wants mm-hmm. to be able to experience that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with kind of exploring different parts of your femininity and what the, whatever that means to you. But like, allowing girls to enjoy their girlhood while also having to um, simultaneously go through real-life situations is really, really, really hard mm-hmm. for women. And I just I just clocked something, Tabs. Everyone talks about how this season is so great with Buffy's Buffy's hair is beautiful and like yeah. shampoo. And but like her fashion is also really great this season. Yes. And I think like talking about the nights 
having the emphasis being put on like Buffy looking extra great this this episode, um, extra girly, extra feminine, but then also getting a dress and then talking about Glory like when she slips into her dress and she talks about how like it just feels so good on her and stuff. There's an mm-hmm. emphasis in this episode yes. about femininity and girlhood and enjoying those things. And they're making the parallels between Buffy and Glory, but they're also making parallels between Buffy and Dawn, like Dawn having the freak out, like you know, Spike talks about how like she's a teenage girl too. Like she's got a lot of hormones going on right now. Like there's yeah. a lot of girl emotions and girl feelings just, and girl representation. A, a lot of things. I'm not blind to the fact that that Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a series, there are some things they really do not do well. Um, and some things really can be harmful um, in the name of feminism. But I will say – one thing they've always really done well and that I've really, really just always have really appreciated, especially during that time, is just allowing Buffy to still hold dear to her girlhood as much as she can. And even seeing the pain of when she like has slipped away from it and mourned it. Um, like I feel like as women, a lot of the times we're placed into boxes of what it's like people kind of look at you and they're like, okay, this is the archetype you're going to be as a woman. And I'm not allowed to kind of like branch out and explore another part. And I think that um, it's really beautiful seeing Buffy kind of like go through the the genuine harshness of reality and her reality. um, And yet still be able to kind of like hold tightly to that Mm -hmm. girliness that she, that is so natural to her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, it's why it's so important to watch but what Buffy's wearing and how her hair is styled and all that stuff this season especially because it tells a story as we go on. Um, yeah. But I love this moment. You're so right. Tara and Willow making the conscious choice being like, you're a slayer. You have enough of that stuff. We're going to give you something beautiful and yeah. pretty and and like Buffy lighting up. Mm-hmm. And then Dawn gives her like a sentimental frame from a trip that they took, which it's just sad because everyone gets all bummed out because they're like, dang, like this memory just didn't even happen. Um, But Dawn is so sweet for this. She like glued like the shells that she picked up from the beach. Yeah. That is so sweet. Like, and I think that's what makes everyone so bummed is that it's like incredibly thoughtful based off of fake memories, you know? But like at the end of the day, like what I really love is Buffy's response. Yeah. It wasn't a, I remember like, oh man, like that's not real. Like, hey, I'm just going to play mm-hmm. along. It was, I remember I felt that too. And gives her a hug because she's affirming yes. that emotion that she exactly. felt. Exactly. And that's the important thing. Even if the memories aren't real, even if they're manufactured, Buffy has chosen to view Dawn as her sister, which means they are real to her. Those those mm-hmm. feelings are no longer manufactured because they they have now manifested into something real. And so therefore, those manufactured feelings have meaning and purpose, even if exactly. they're not actually I real. I was thinking that when I watched the episode, I was like, yeah, these are fake memories. But like, at what point are these fake? Because right. if you remember them happening, they are real to you. Yes. Do you know what I mean? That's like all like, we have is memories now anyway. Exactly. Like, like, yeah, it's so hard for me to kind of like explain and conceptualize this, but it's like, let's say that to me, there's this memory that happened so distinct in my brain and let's say Sarah's there and Sarah's like, Tabby, that did not happen at all. But I'm like, 
You still to feel me, those it things. did. I felt yeah. like it was like that, you know? Yeah. I like that's why like emotional connections are so like important and strong in memories too. So it's like when you associate something with a feeling, it's real to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love that it's not just Buffy that we're seeing like this. Like there are multiple situations in this episode where Joyce is on her own, yes. just there with Buffy when it comes to Dawn. Yeah. Um, they both and- feel the same thing. And the show has actively shown not just Buffy, but also Joyce saying, no, we choose Dawn. We yeah. are making the active choice to say that Dawn is ours. I'm and happy so- we have an episode in this one where we have Joyce kind yeah. of affirming that yep. she feels the same way. So in the kitchen, we have Joyce, Buffy, and, and Giles talking about Dawn. Um, Joyce is kind of just like asking questions about Dawn, which is just the episode for that. It's like, hey, like rather than me like taking it and running it, like having questions is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And we see mm-hmm. that later on with Dawn. Um, but in this moment, we have Joyce asking questions about Dawn. We have Dawn trying to listen from the dining room. Buffy's like, Dawn, what are you doing? Every time Dawn is around, Buffy's like, Dawn, why are you here? Yeah, okay. Like I said before, we've seen Buffy has eavesdropped so many times on this show. <laughs> she should know better <laughs> than to talk about if Dawn. If you don't want to be talking about Dawn, where Dawn is near, then don't be talking about Dawn. She gets on Dawn, but like, I don't know. <laughs> the, the script says that Dawn is extremely good at this. She doesn't sound caught at all after she says, oh, I'm just grabbing plates. It's cake time. <laughs> I can't. Um, in the living room, just kind of like I, I mentioned earlier, Don walks in and can tell immediately that everyone's just weird about Don being there. And it's like, why does everyone start acting all weird when I'm around? Anya's like, hey, we were talking about sex, not you. And then Don gets upset and storms upstairs and then sneaks out. Oh, hey. Another parallel to Buffy. Honestly, so many parallels mm-hmm. to Buffy in this episode. It was really fun. And out the window too. And Joyce is just like, oh, she's gone. Joyce is like, I think I've seen this film before. <laughs> yep. And then Spike catches her and they have this like, I've really enjoyed this um, interaction between them two. Like He's carrying the chocolates that he was beating up in I know. triangle. It's like <laughs> so beat up. And Dawn's like, are you bringing Buffy a gift? And he's like, I'm not. And then she's like, please, I'm better than you. She read him so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He like tries to scare her and she's like, are you being for real right now? And he's like, you could have at least, you know, pretended to be scared. They're both insulting each other. He's like, what, sneaking off to braid hair and watch Teletubbies with your mates? (laughs) She's like, no, I'm going to go steal things. And he was like- And I love how he he so clearly wanted to be invited, but he didn't want to say it. (laughs) And then she's like, you want to come steal some stuff? His quick response with, yeah, all right, was so- fast. <laughs> He's like, I bet that wouldn't sit too well with big sister if you got kidnapped. He's like, I can do what I really want to do and I can also get points with Buffy from it. Call oh yeah, this like, is a win-win know, for I'm him. In. Yeah. yeah. The helpless reference, because again, this is another birthday episode of Buffy's. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how he compares Dawn to Little Red Riding Hood. I was like, very nice, very nice. <laughs> Not Spike being like, this is what's going to get me into Buffy's good graces. Not, you know, telling her sister to go home or anything. He's so yeah. he's so funny how he just doesn't think about the obvious thing. He's just only thinking about himself. <laughs> well, exactly. Like he's thinking like, oh, this will be a good time for me and I'm helping, you know, Buffy's sister. That's great. But he's not thinking 
He oh, could just grab Dawn, Dawn shouldn't be going and to march the up shop. to the summer's door, knock on the door, and be like, yep. "Hey, yeah, no, exactly, yep." So at the magic shop, they both break in. Um, <laughs> Dawn and insults him. Spike's like, "That's right. Who's bad now?" <laughs> and she him. just ignores him. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I love that. Like Dawn is like, "Oh, I know exactly where the notes are." Um, she's really just intuitive. She's just is like. Hey, if I'm going to figure out anything, it's going to be in Giles' notes. And I'm like, you know, that's so smart. Because we've never seen like Buffy kind of write in her diary other than like season one of Buffy. Um, and I'd probably go to the Slayer's Watcher who kind of like writes down everything. That's a very smart move on her end. Mm-hmm. Yep. She starts to read it and it kind of picks up on the nuances, but you could tell she's trying not to overthink it too much, um, to which Spike kind of takes over and then reads out to the point that it is undeniable that Dawn is the key. <laughs> Spike seeing Olaf's troll hammer and picking it up. I literally had <laughs> Spike's voice in my mind from season two. He goes, someone wasn't worthy. Yeah. <laughs> this information was interesting because it's not any – massive revelation, but it still gave us more insight into who Dawn is through reading. I was like, man, Giles, you've been holding out on us. They're talking about how the key is not directly described. It's just energy vibrating at a dimensional frequency beyond normal human perception. Only those outside reality can see the key's true nature, which Spike is like, oh, it's crazy people basically. Like, And then that's when Dawn starts to put the pieces together about how people would come up to her and say, you don't belong here. There's no one in there, things like that. Again, this episode or this show just in general, like it just does such a good job of tying everything together. It's really satisfying. Yep. So back at the house, we have Buffy talking about how Riley didn't send her a card or anything for her birthday, but she understands because there's no civilian communication. I'm like, babe, y'all are broken up. Why would he send you a birthday card? I understand. But like you let him go, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's done. So he didn't know you went after him in yep. the helicopter. There's mm -hmm. no way that he would know that. So Tara kind of responds to which she abruptly stops talking because she sees Don in the hallway. And this this is part chilling. is yeah, it's hard to watch. I mean, like, Don self-harms herself. And it says, is this blood? This is blood, isn't it? It can't be me. I'm not a key. I'm not a thing. What am I? Am I real? Am I anything? Oh, oh my gosh. I cried. <laughs> and Joyce just immediately hugs her. Like the poor girl is going through. I mean, talk about like existential grit, dread, like angst, the, yeah. the weight of the world. Um the heaviness of what life actually is and the burden that yeah. you hold as a human being in the world. Like, it's just a lot. Like, there's a reason why teenagers <laughs> go through so much angst. It's a lot to process. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a lot. Well, it just – it also kind of reminded me a bit of Prophecy Girl where Buffy just says, I'm 16 years old. I don't want to die. Mm -hmm. And where she comes to grips with, you know – I'm a slayer. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm – I've basically been made for this moment and I have no choice in it and I have no say. And Dawn is feeling that right here going, I have no say. I'm not – like anything that I thought was an expression of myself, anything that I thought was me 
anything that I was saying, anything that I wrote, like that's why she tears up her her journals and her diaries. She's like, any form of expression was manufactured. Apparently I'm not anything. Well, and she's thinking people are just putting on a facade because they feel like they have to, not because they actually love her. Exactly. Gosh, dude, could you imagine that? Like, this is, my goodness, this is one of those episodes that really just like, I don't understand the hate for Dawn because I'm sitting here and I'm just like, guys, imagine what she's thinking right now. And she not only finds out that she's not real technically, but she's also thinking, like feeling deep betrayal that for months she's not been crazy that people have been talking about her. She doesn't know what they've been saying about her. And for what? She just assumes that since everybody knows, they're just kind of tolerating her and they don't actually love her. And like, oh my word, like that is so much to process. Yeah. And then they, and going back to like the adoption metaphor too, it's this idea of who, who am I? Where did I come from? And that's why Dawn is so hellbent this episode in trying to find, that's why she throws herself into danger because she's trying to figure out who or what she is. She wants to know where she came from. She wants to know if she's good. She wants to know what it is that makes, makes up everything about her. And for people who have been adopted, this is huge. I remember, um, talking with a young man who was from a closed adoption. And he came from a fantastic, like his, his adopted family was amazing, loved him so much, gave him the best life growing up. But he always talked about how he was like, I never knew where I came from. I never knew why I had certain quirks. I, he was like, I just wanted to find someone that looked like me. I wanted to mm-hmm. understand why I was the way I was. He's like, and he goes, if I'm going to have kids of my own and all this stuff, and he was married and everything. And um, he ended up finally finding his bio family and just hearing him talk about how he goes, I look like my dad. I have my mom's face or a smile. He goes, I look like my siblings. And he's like, even though he had all the love in the world and all the acceptance from his adoptive parents, there was that part of him that was like, I just want to know who I am. And part of that is finding where you came from. It's not something that I understand as someone who was never adopted, but I can't imagine someone like I, I can imagine when you're adopted wanting that because that's a part of who you are. It mm-hmm. explains a lot. And I think for Dawn, that's a big aspect of this episode. It's like, well, then where do I come from? You know? And so I think, I don't know, this episode just does it so beautifully. I just mm-hmm. love it so much. I love that Giles offers to stay. Um, this kind of just reminds me of yes, passion, innocence, or innocence. No, it's passion. Innocent. Oh, you're right. It is passion because then he goes. He oh had yeah. A, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh yes. No, it does because when Giles is telling Willow, he's like, maybe I should stay. And she's like, cool. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Exactly. Yep. yep. Oh, there's so many parallels to season two in this ep- in this episode. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And Buffy's like, hey, it's a family thing. Um, and she walks upstairs. Joyce is already there with Dawn. And then Dawn's like, why didn't you tell me? Um, and they're like, hey, we thought we'd tell you when you're older, which is a clear parallel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she asks how old she is. And they tell her she's six months old. That is Oh, that crazy. is rough. 
Yeah, she's like, I've only been alive for six months. And Joyce is like, no, you've been alive a lot longer than that to us. And they're trying to continue to emphasize it doesn't matter because we've accepted that reality basically, you know? Yeah, but she hasn't at this point. Oh, totally. And then Buffy's like, mom and I know what we feel. I know I care about you. I know I worry about you. And then Dawn's like, you worry about me because you have to. I'm your job. Oh, 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 I really feel for Dawn, dude. Mm-hmm. And then we have the the infamous get out, get out, get out right after that. I'm like, okay, we could have <laughs> give me some time to process <laughs> the trauma that was just unloaded. This too. get out, get out, get out is not too bad to me. I'm like, I understand it. Yeah, people are a little dramatic it. about it. Yeah, she's a little Miss Drama Queen, you yeah. know, like. Yeah, she's 14 years old. We were all like that, you know? Oh my gosh, yes, totally. And the fact that she feels safe enough to be able to express herself without fear of retaliation and stuff, I think is a testament to Joyce and to Buffy. Mm -hmm. And it's completely reasonable. You go, Dawn. You get it all out. So in the coffee shop, we have Buffy saying they need to know everything about the key. I don't know why you didn't ask that before, Buffy, but sure, I guess we'll figure that out now. (laughs) I don't, but it's but the only also, part of this episode where I'm also, like, why haven't we figured this out beforehand? I think Buffy's been so worried about trying to figure out who Glory was, and we, it was only last episode they found out who Glory was. Now it's time to kind of focus your attention but on the key. Knowing details about the key is like a genuine key factor in taking down might help, huh? Glory. <laughs> you know, but also I just love, I love that she says this is about Dawn. She deserves to know where she came from. She needs to know or it's just going to eat away at her. Buffy, this is this is what Buffy's wrestling with this season. Buffy needs to know who she is and where she came from. I just uh, love the parallels. But I also love how Buffy's, she's very outside herself in a positive way this episode. Outside the situation, very objective. Yeah. Like, like there, I mean, we'll see in a couple scenes, but she's like talking to Joyce about how like, what Dawn needs is answers right now, not us sitting here telling her how much we care about her, which is important. We've tried doing that, but she's not going to be listening to that right now. She needs facts. Yeah. Um, which is so true. Like you want to like sit here and be like, I need to fall back on something substantial. I can't trust yeah. the emotions of Buffy and Joyce because at this point, I don't even know if they really even like me. Um, mm. Because like based on all these fake memories and me being a, blob of energy you know absolutely um and then anya sees <laughs> cigarettes in a um makeshift the urn of ishtar ashtray Who's been using the urn of ishtar's an ashtray buffy's like oh we know <laughs> yep buffy storms over to the crypt and sweeps spike off the top of the crypt and crushes him inside of it yells at him for letting her find out like that and i love that I really do believe Spike in this moment. Like the genuineness yeah. that he's saying, he's like, if she's going to be walking around, she might as well have Big Bad watching over her. Watching over her. And he's like, you know what? Whether or not you want to admit it, she's going to figure out and do this either way. I thought I might as well lend her hand. And you know what? Yeah. I believe him in this moment. He's also fair in saying, like, you're blaming me for something yes. that I am not responsible for. Um, I don't I don't agree with him blaming Buffy because I 100% believe Buffy keeping Dawn in the dark was a good choice. And I think based on Dawn's reaction and the Scooby's reaction, I think, like, again, that was a good call. 
Don did need to know at some point and Buffy needed to have a plan for telling her, but keeping her in the dark for as long as she did was absolutely, I think, a necessity. So Spike blaming Buffy, I felt like was unfair, but Spike does know that Buffy is when she's frustrated or angry or something's going on, she needs somebody to blame or somebody to fight. And so she's here to pick a fight because she's upset. And Spike's like, no, you can't use me as a scapegoat for that. And he's completely valid in that. So Buffy storms off after Spike says she can't just come and beat him up to make herself feel better. Um, And then we see Dawn back in her room lying in bed and Joyce is trying to convince her to go to school. (laughs) And this line <laughs> that she says has never left my brain ever since I've heard it the first time I've heard it, where she's like, blobs of energy don't need an education. <laughs> Joyce doesn't know how to respond to that. She's like, I'm like um, fair enough. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and I love well, how and like she- Joyce doesn't like overstep. She's just like, all right, like, can I make you some food? Like she understands that like her forcing Dawn to do anything right now could cause irreparable damage in their relationship. So she's like, you know what? I'm just going to let her do her thing. Well, and then she offers to make her the soup, which was Mm -hmm. what Dawn had said makes her feel better when Joyce was sick on the couch. And then Joyce was like, I'll make you some soup later or whatever. So this is like a kind of a really cute continuity. Again, I I know I've said this like three times already. They – the fact that they keep bringing up little moments like this helps – Buy, helps us buy into the relationship between these three women. Dawn changes her mind and decides to go to school. And <laughs> then we jump back over or jump over to the hospital and we have Ben come into like, what? what is this room? What would you call this? This is the mental ward. Mental ward. Okay. Also um, used to be where the children stayed, but apparently they oh, yeah. redid uh-huh. everything. Talk about like <laughs> redoing sets. Into our second favorite set, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see the night from earlier in the episode. Orlando. Crazy. Yeah, Orlando. Um, and then a freaking minion. How does this minion walk through the hospital and no one bats an eye? Uh, yeah, Ben sees the mark on uh, the Byzantine knights or whatever. Um, mm. And he's, and like, he's oh, like, oh, no. Oh, no. Or Byzantium, not Byzantium. <laughs> Byzantium. I keep mis- misspelling it or it's mispronouncing right. it. Just shows how little I care about these knights, honestly. And the minions like Jinx, Minion Jinx is his name. He's like, yes, they have arrived. And then they talk about how like they're massive. They they grow like ants, and then pretty much you have to leave because like they'll just keep coming and coming and coming. And then yeah. we hear. Then he says, "Your fate is directly tied to Glorificus's." So that also mm-hmm. is another hint at and if, says that Glory can't lay a finger on him. They yeah. both know that. Uh, and it. For the sake of both of them, they need to be working together. So mm. we're like, please don't keep sabotaging her, Ben. This this scene is heartbreaking. Yeah, Dawn rereading her old diaries. <laughs> Poor thing. The the script says that she's going through them, desperately scanning the pages, chronicling her life. How can this not be real? Mm-hmm. Poor girl. And then this is one of those situations that I know this is a canon event. This is a canon event. This Just happens let it happen. everywhere. But like talking about major tea and or gossiping about someone in the family in the freaking living room while they're in the room and they can clearly hear is something that every single household has ever done. Do better, done. Buffy. Do but better. I'm like, oh, my word, Buffy. If it's it's not just like normal family 
Goss. It's like you're talking about Dawn being a mythical creature or thing that can bridge the gap between different worlds. Why are we talking about that in the living room with Dawn upstairs where she can hear you? I just don't understand. I don't know. I, I'm going to be asking that question until the end of the series. I do yeah. really love this moment because we're getting a glimpse at what Joyce went through when Buffy was escaping out of her room all those nights, when she was suspecting something was up with Buffy, like seeing washing the blood out of Buffy's clothes as Buffy confronts her and becoming all these things. We're kind of getting a glimpse of what Joyce went through. But now Buffy's kind of going through it with Dawn. And then we're also we're also kind of seeing that Joyce is never really fully going to understand what both Dawn and Buffy go through by being unique and different. Like we can't just let her sit up there all alone and Buffy says she needs time, mom. We can't force her to be all right with this. Again, Buffy's speaking from experience. And then Buffy says, if I were her, I'd want a little space right now to figure things out, not my mom and sister coming at me from all sides. Um, And then Buffy says she probably feels like she can say or do anything now. It won't matter because she's not real. We're not her family. We don't even even know what she is. Of course, Dawn comes out to hear that second or the first part of that statement and immediately assumes that that's what they think and believe about her. Oh, of course. Of course. And of course, Buffy and Joyce don't hear dogs. I was screaming. literally about to say the same thing. She's like <laughs> screaming, trashes her entire room, started a literal trash can fire in her room. How big is this house, man? <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm like, you know what? This this house has like three bedrooms, three or four bedrooms. Yeah. yeah. And it's a two-story house. Her room She's is like a right single above mom, them. And they it's don't in hear California. No, no, no. It's in California. And she's a single mom. How is she affording this house? If she's working at an art museum, she's probably really, really rich. Or Hank is really rich and is sending a lot of, you know, money to Hank Joyce. doesn't talk to them. What are you talking about? You can still send money without talking to them. I mean, I don't know. But yes, she is definitely um, affording a very nice house. But I'm just imagining them sitting there and Dawn's upstairs like, you're like thinking and They're thumping ignoring. and all this stuff like right above them. They're like, oh, it's just Dawn. Just Donna for again. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy back in the living room is saying that she says all those things because she thinks that's what Dawn is thinking. Um, and then Joyce is this is kind of what we mentioned earlier. Joyce is like, hey, we need to show her how much we love her. And Buffy's saying that's not going to do anything or fix anything right now. But like Dawn is going to be looking for answers. Which they're both right because mm-hmm. Dawn does go look for answers. But at the end of the day – Buffy saying you're my sister and like coming at her as her sister, not her slayer, is what causes Dawn to be okay. I think in this situation, you need answers first and then you need to have those connection conversations after that. Yeah. Yeah. The I see you, I know who you are, but I still accept you. Absolutely. And this part was clever. They hear like a high-pitched siren and assume that that Glory has passed through the barricade that Willow and Tara's spell has put up. And they're like, oh, shoot, Glory's here. And then they're like, oh, never mind. It's the fire alarm. Dawn has set a fire. Cool. <laughs> Little pyro over here. And then Joyce's look like Buffy. She's gone. Like, oh, not again. <laughs> yeah, Joyce is like, this is not my first time. <laughs> the amount of times I've had a daughter, like, escape. Yeah, Joyce is not 
foreign to this situation happening. She's like, if I had a dollar for every time my daughter snuck out of the house through their window. I wonder how many times Joyce went into Buffy's room in the middle of the night to be like, hey, Buffy, I'm going to watch Passions. Do you want to? And then Buffy's like not there. And she's like, oh, okay, fine. Just ground her when she gets back. Exactly. After a while, <laughs> and she's we're all like, like, whatever. Wow, Joyce is really absent. How does Joyce not know this? Joyce knew. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not all the times, but she knew a good amount of time. Yeah, I'm t- You're telling me that you you don't know if your daughter's in her room? Like that seems so – Unlikely if you're a single mom and you have just one daughter. You know what I mean? Like, right. whereas, like with us, I'm like, mm, I could have snuck out as a kid. I never did. But like, there's so many of us. <laughs> you did? Oh, yeah. Out of totally everyone, snuck you snuck out? Yeah. I've you're such this a good intuition. <laughs> Dude, I was like seven or eight. You know the stories, like me sneaking out and going and disabling the alarms in the house. And I do not remember this. Our daughter did house- not know this. Our house had an alarm system where every time you open the door, it an alarm would go off. And I figured out that it was magnetized and it was on the inside of the door. And if you open the door a certain, like a small amount, it wouldn't trigger the alarm and you could pop the magnet out. And so and during the day, I would figure out how to do it when we were Damn all girl. going inside and out of the house. And I was like seven or eight. And then I would pop the magnet out. And then I'd go, we had like a couple of acres. I'd go climb a tree and sing Disney songs until the sun came up. And then I'd go and pop the no magnet back way. in and go back to bed. I'm not by joking. Yourself? I did this by myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't you notice. You just sat up in a tree and just sang And just sang. I would sing like um, Sleeping Beauty. I'd pretend I was a Disney princess. You know, I'd sing. You, you just know. wouldn't sleep. You'd see the sunrise and then just pretend to be yeah, asleep. Yeah, I sometimes would watch what? Dad get up and get in the car and drive away, and I'd be in the tree and he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so freaking funny. Yeah, could you imagine he just like turns his head a little bit and just sees his daughter in the tree? Yeah, you know, I was only ever caught once by Hannah. Um, oh. our, our sister who's between us and because um, we shared a room. So she would see me one time. Did and she so then you I, out? I brought – no, I brought her with me. So we both climbed in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. I was yeah. thinking more like teenage years. No, I never I never did I it as a teenager. Saying, I was like, there's yeah. no freaking way, Sarah. There's well, no who would I go hang out with? I had no friends. I had no what car. Like there's about? no – You had a boyfriend your senior year. Yeah, but he lived like an hour away. It was a oh. lot harder to sneak out when all your friends lived an hour away. So yeah. I'm dead. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's not the same thing that we were talking about here, but yeah. Um. So at the magic shop, we have Buffy telling the gang that Dawn is gone, tells them all to split up around town to find her. And I love that, that Xander and Willow um, know about Dawn's Don Meister Chronicles, her little diary entries. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. I know Xander being all sad about it. He's like, no, yeah. not her diary. This this was the scene that they cut out like half of it. So when Buffy's like telling everybody what they're going to do, Spike goes, I'd love to help, but – and then Buffy goes, I'll pay you. Just do it. And Spike goes, chip in the head, sweet cheeks, means I can't kill anything but demons. They didn't exactly vote me most popular this year. And then he's like, well, fellas got to kill something. And then Tara says, maybe if we could figure out where she'd run to. Willow goes, oh, the mall. She loves the mall. And then she looks at Buffy and goes, I think she gets that from you. Isn't that so cute? Aww. 
love that. And then they all start thinking of places that she loves. Jazz is like the bronze, maybe. Anya's like the dog park. She likes dogs. And then Xander's like, keep that in. And then Xander goes, but none of those memories are real. And Buffy goes, they were to her and to me. Isn't that so sweet? That's so sweet. And that makes sense because the next scene where you see Dawn see the swing set. Yeah. And it's interesting because you're seeing both of these people, both Buffy and Dawn, remembering memories and going, yeah, it was real to me. Yeah. I mean, this part, I I have so many questions though. She's like on like the the playset and we're assuming this exact same playset, but like – they just moved to Sunnydale four years ago. Like, Dawn wouldn't be that young. Well, okay. So this is supposed to be 10-year-old Dawn, and this is supposed to be 16-year-old Buffy. So this would have been the first year that they moved to Sunnydale. That's what the script says. Um, but All they definitely right. look younger. Yeah, that doesn't that does not look like a 10-year-old Buffy. <laughs> that doesn't look like 16-year-old Buffy. That also does not look like a 10-year-old. That looks like an 8-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. It's cute. I was like, mm. we'll believe it. We'll buy it. <laughs> it was real to me. No, don't say that. It was real to me. This moment with Jazz and Xander is really funny. <laughs> the amount of times so we've had similar situations with Giles and Xander being paired up, Giles just has consistently been so irritated with Xander. <laughs> and I think he forgets that until he's paired up with Xander again. He's like, good God, if I have to be paired up with him one more time. Like he mentions the whole like, like you know, you know, that Don big ball of energy, a, a crush on him, and I'm like, Santa, the look he gives him where is, is just going absolute disgust, and he walks straight away. <laughs> the sass, it was very, like his body language and everything was very much. I'm just gonna choose to ignore that, and we're just not gonna talk about this. Like I'm going away. Goodbye now. Like, yeah, I'm but also just really genuinely irritated. He just is like, oh my gosh, like the tomfoolery, the man I have to be around right now. Xander would make this about himself. He's like, you know, super powerful ball of energy uh-huh. has a crush on me. Jaws is like, I am just so disgusted right now. Stop referring to yourself as the Zan man too. Can we like let that die? <laughs> it's been quite a few times. There was a whole scene that was cut out with Willow and Tara looking where um, Willow asks Tara, like, where would you go if you felt lost and alone? Where would you go? And Tara says, to you. Isn't that so cute? <laughs> We have uh, um, Buffy and Spike in the graveyard looking for Dawn. Buffy's yelling for Dawn. Spike's like, hey, um, if she ran away from you, hearing you (laughs) yell her name is going to make her run even further in the opposite direction. (laughs) And then Buffy apologizes. She's like, hey, like, you were right. It is my fault. Um, I should have told her. Um, and given her the information and then Spike relents and is like, you know what, like either way, she probably would have skipped off anyway. Um, and then he's like, you'll find her in the nick of time. That's what the hero types always do. He like sighs. He's like, that's what you hero types do. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times you guys have blown all of my plans. Then we have Dawn kind of wander over to the hospital, which is like, I guess the last place Dawn would (laughs) <laughs> land herself in. It's the last place I thought she was going to be, but it yeah. makes sense now knowing what she's sense. looking for. When she walks in, I'm like, you know what? This makes sense. She mm-hmm. walks into the psych ward to where all the crazy people are because we find out or she found out in the beginning of the episode that people outside of reality can tell what the key is. So mm-hmm. she's like, hey, I'm going to go to people who are going to give me straight up answers, which is very stupid though because these people are out of their minds. Who knows what they're going to do, you know? 
She sees Orlando Mm -hmm. and is like, oh, she's the key. And she starts asking questions. She's like, hey, like, what am I? Where did I come from? And he's like, we need to sever the key. We need to kill it. And says that it makes the sun bleed into the sky. Oh, my gosh. That would be terrifying. Poor thing. Cracked earth and bones. And so she's like, oh, great. So I'm I'm something horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then she leaves and bumps into Ben. And Ben was very sweet. And Mm -hmm. I hate what Gloria says because then it makes it weird. (laughs) This whole like (laughs) situation. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, like so like innocent. But Glory is also evil. At least that's yeah. the like what we're supposed to believe. And so she's going to think an evil person's going to do evil. Or she's going to think that everybody's evil like her. You're going to do evil things. Um, Yeah. It was a little creepy. Glory was a little like extra creepy this episode, honestly. Yeah. Um, The lighting in this scene in particular. The entire episode is great. But the lighting in this one, they kind of have Ben in shadow while Dawn is kind of bright and light lit up. I really liked that. Ben makes her some hot chocolate and offers her some marshmallows, to which Dawn is like, no, I think they're disgusting. Me too, Dawn. Um, and then I love how Ben's like, hey, like, he kind of like, he makes sure that she's comfortable mm-hmm. being around him first before he kind of like asks why she's at the hospital and why she was in like the psych ward. And I love that. Like, that's kind of how you are to talk to children. Like, if you come straight in, Usually you'll be met with some resistance. You kind of have to like soft launch your questions with kids half the time in order to get the answer you want. Um, And he's like, hey, like, are you here because your mom got taken in again? Um, And Don's like, oh, like, no. And he's like, well, is Buffy here? Can I call her? And she's like, I don't have a sister. And I love how (laughs) he's just like very empathetic. He's like, oh, yeah, like. You guys had a fight, and I know how that is because I have a sister. And then, but or not Buffy, Todd just goes straight in and just spills everything. I'm like, I know what? Yeah, that was a little shocking, honestly. But also, I think she's to the point where she just doesn't care. She's like, whatever. Yeah, she's like, very numb at this point. But also, the scene is interesting because Don and Ben have a metaphorical connection that both of them represent the human connection to their their supernatural sister um, or their supernatural sisters. So revealing Ben and Glory's connection the same episode as Dawn's to the key is just so clever because you have all these parallels about family, like blood ties, like Ben and Glory's blood tie, Dawn and Buffy's, but also the connection that Dawn and Ben have. And we're going to see more of that as the season progresses between Dawn and Ben um, because they kind of represent the opposite of Buffy and Glory, which I just think is so interesting. Well, before Ben changes into Glory, the setup here was so creepy. He's like mm-hmm. screaming, oh no, she's here, she's here. I was like, oh, this buildup is good. Yeah, you're like, where? Where is she? And Dawn's Aww. like, what's going on? And how can he sense it, you know? Yeah. Well, <sighs> both Ben and Dawn have been thrust into something that they didn't ask for. I mean, technically, so is Glory and Buffy, but Ben and Dawn are both not superpowered and they have the superpowered sibling. And so, I again, just loving the connection between the two of them. So, Glory changes from being Ben into Glory, and then it's like, hey, I recognize you. Well, this is a twist, dude. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a show do this. It's crazy. It's very unique. And then she changes into her dress 
it kind of like you mentioned earlier, Sarah, she's like, oh, I, I love the way this feels on me. Just like seeing her change into glory and then changing mm-hmm. into glory's like pr- like desired fit mm-hmm. um, while also being really menacing and scary is just very jarring. Yep. And then a guard comes in and kills him immediately. Adds to Dawn's trauma for the day. <laughs> for real. Because <laughs> apparently it was almost clean off. That's crazy. So in the graveyard, we have the gang bump into each other. No one's seen Dawn, and they decide to check the hospital. Back in the hospital room, we have Glory asking her if she knows where the key is, wondering why the Slayer's sister would just be at the hospital without Buffy. This is so clever of Dawn. She's like, well, what does it look like? Yeah, then maybe I can tell you. But it's also like, I love this because she's actually like, wanting these questions too and doesn't know anything so it really works in yep. this scenario because glory really is sensing that don doesn't know anything because she doesn't right and i talked about this in no place like home in the spoiler section but now i can talk about it here yay i love it when things start to like line up to where i can talk about it everywhere um so we talked about color theory we talked about how glory is red um very obviously and that's you know war rage passion, fire, all that stuff. Um, This is the first time that Dawn has heard her essence being described positively, which is one thing I want to know in this moment. Dawn's going, oh, someone's telling me that I was beautiful and that I was really like, well, good, I will say. Like she says that she's, that it was evil, but then it depends upon who you talk to. But this is the first time that Dawn is really getting an idea of like what exactly she is. Um, And they describe her as, or Glory describes her as a bright green swirly shimmer. We talked about this again in the spoiler section, but Glory represents, is represented by red. Dawn is represented by green. They intentionally dress Michelle in green in this episode. And red and green are opposite of each other on the color wheel, yet they are seen as complementary colors because they go well together. So Dawn is often referred to as this green light. And in film, green symbolizes hope or virility or peace or growth. It represents rest and security. And we talked about the biggest like novel or piece of uh, literature that probably talks about green the most is the great Gatsby, which, you mm-hmm. know, the green light was a symbol of hope for Gatsby along with, you know, money and jealousy and prosperity and stuff. But overall it was hope. Um, and then Daisy Buchanan represented this for him. Dawn is glory's green light. She's her representation of hope of getting home, but she's also a representation of Buffy's other half, that side that desires rest and all that stuff and the hope that Buffy will eventually find it. And so I think it's so interesting as we move forward, kind of keeping that in mind and seeing how they are going to kind of continually hammer that home, the dawn being a, uh, a symbol of something with her green light. Um, but I just thought that's really interesting. And it's such an intentional choice to say, oh, it's green energy. And I think a lot of that has to do with the symbolism of the color. So you could tell that like, even though this is like a scary conversation, hearing someone refer to, or even seeing someone as powerful as glory, admire what the key is. Probably was so like crazy for Dawn to hear. She's like, wow, she's talking about me, you know? Right. No, and there's a little bit of like hope for Dawn, like, oh my goodness, like something yeah. tangible. Someone knows who I am. Um, 
But also like the question that Dawn's asking, like, is it evil? That's a question that Buffy's trying to figure out about herself. Is is she evil? Is the Slayer power evil? Is it dark? Because she's been told by Dracula that it's similar to what his essence is. She's been told by Spike. She's been told by the first Slayer, like it is something that is um, by itself, no friends, it's animalistic. And so Buffy's going, am I evil? Is what's inside of me evil? And then, you know, the whole, it it depends on your point of view is interesting because it's like depending upon if you're a, if you're a vampire you're probably going to see the slayer as evil but if you're an innocent victim you're going to see the slayer as something good um mm-hmm. and yeah that's going to be or even key how you wield your forward. your power hence yes. like faith yeah you know it right. can be evil yes yeah and that's been one of the biggest things it's like how you choose to use your power buffy is mm-hmm. going to determine what kind of a person and what kind of slayer it's you are. It's not the power, it's the person. Exactly. But also, the it's interesting because the Knights of Byzantium believe the key should be destroyed. They believe it is evil. Um, and yet Buffy believes it's something that should be protected. So like you said, it matters who who is putting the definite, who's giving it the definition that it has. Um, and I, it all kind of goes back to this idea again of, girlhood. The Watchers don't think the Slayer is evil, but they do think she's disposable. And so does that view of the Slayer mean that she's, she actually is disposable? Or is that just the um, the label they have placed on her? Who actually defines who you are? It's yourself. So it's a very existential thing. Then Glory's kind of like, you know what? I'm starting to realize you have no idea what the key is. And she's like, you know what? I need to pick me up. And I did promise Buffy I'd send her a message. So I'm just going to suck your brains out now if that's cool. And then the gang comes popping in. Buffy says to get away from Dawn. They fight. And I love how each of the gang kind of like has their own little like portion. Because they all know how massive – and strong glory is because usually when Buffy's fighting the big bad, even when the gang is there, they kind of hang back because they have like Buffy has it under control. They'll step in if they really need to, but most of the time they'll just kind of like do something in the background. Um, yeah. But like they each do something physical in this fight. And even like Spike kind of steps in, she like knocks him out, throws Xander <laughs> um, up into Giles again. Giles is like, oh my gosh, <laughs> get this man away from me. Um, and then we have Willow and Tara do a spell, mainly Willow. And you this can is tell one of the biggest ones. You can tell the group has been planning and practicing. Like this was well organized, yeah. honestly. And then right before she gets teleported by Willow, she throws the crowbar right at dawn, to which Buffy jumps right in front. And gets impaled. Yikes. And she doesn't even like twinge. I was like, girl, ouch. (laughs) Yeah, if that was like, I mean, she probably, I mean, she had to have taken off a lot of that force by catching it first before impaled her Mm because it was like right above her heart. I was like, dang. Yeah. Could have been bad. This was such a good fight. There's so much happening. I'm like, I didn't know where to look. It was really good. It reminded me of becoming when everybody had a role in something they were supposed to be doing. It was Mm -hmm. great. Glory gets teleported into the air and to I don't know where we are <laughs> over falls. Sunnydale. I was like, why didn't you just like teleport her like in Belize or something? the The house looked very distinct. Oh, you they think it was somewhere else? Oh, yeah, I think yeah. it was somewhere else. Maybe. And then Buffy kind of rips out the crowbar. Ouch! Asks Dawn if she's hurt, and then Dawn's like, "Why do you care?" 
And Buffy's like, because I love you. You're my sister. And Dawn's like, no, I'm not. And Buffy just says like, hey, look, you have blood. I have blood. It's Summer's blood. To which they hold hands and she says, it's just like mine. I mean, this is so beautiful on so many levels, but the bloodborne pathogens that they're like yeah. passing along to each other, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Let's just not think about that. But also, so this is symbolically a blood bond or a blood oath. So mm-hmm. we've all seen it done in movies and in television, but it's actually been around for hundreds and thousands of years in all different sorts of cultures. Um, it's where you cut yourself on your arm or on your um, forearm or on your hand, and then another person does, and then you clasp hands, you combine blood. Sometimes it involves drinking drops of blood or something like that, but it's it's supposed to symbolize a bond that is deeper even than being related to someone. It's often between um, men, warriors on a battlefield in order to form alliances or to create bonds as strong as family. It's called a blood tie. Um, And here you have this deep recognition from Buffy to Dawn. Yes, you are my sister because we share the same blood, but also I am claiming you as my sister and I will use my blood to protect you. Because Buffy takes the blood from her shoulder and presses it into Dawn. She doesn't take Dawn's blood and press it into herself. So this is Buffy saying, I'm going, I now claim you and I'm going to protect you. And I think that's just so beautiful. They hug it out. And then Don goes, I was so scared. And yeah, Buffy me goes, too, Dawn. me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, Ben. And like, she can't remember. And she's like, he was trying to help me, but I think he left. And we're like, no, that's important. <laughs> and then Don's like, hey, um, am I in big trouble about the fire thing? And Buffy's like, you know what? I think get it, get out of jail free card and she's like will she raise my allowance don't push it and then the episode goes black this reminded me so much of school hard where she's like you're ungrounded and Buffy's like oh cool like uh, there's so many little references to early seasons of Buffy I don't know I just love the parallels that they have between Dawn and Buffy it just it makes me so giddy love it all right well I think we did pretty well without Leah um missed her. I really wish I could have heard her thoughts on this, but I hope she's having a great old time resting and getting ready for the wedding. But we hope you guys enjoyed this. We hope that you guys learned a lot. If there's anything that we missed, definitely let us know. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Tumblr at Becoming Buffy Podcast. And you can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us and listen to our spoiler recap for each of these episodes, you can join our Buy Me A Coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash becomingbuffy. Speaking of which, special shout out and thank you to our producers, Christine, CJ, Kate, Omri, Paul, and Cashan. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, and we will talk to you all next time. <laughs>